What the fuck is up, friends? It's Brad and Circuses. It's your boy Caleb Salvatore here. And this is Nick Kohler here again being sick like, like last you time. So pussy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a good friend of mine here. He's a stand-up comic. You actually, if you came to our show, Holiday Detox on December 26th, you saw him. He kind of killed it, in my opinion, my honest opinion, and I'm extremely honest. Um, I feel like he did better than everybody else. That's just me, though. It's Ben Webb is his name. Oh, thank you very much, man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, make sure you talk a little bit closer into it. A little Sorry. bit closer. All yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no uh, problem. <laughs> yeah. How- we always we always have to go through with our guests where they they hear us harping on them for just talking into the microphones because it's such like an unnatural thing. It is to talk into a <laughs> mic, man. Like <laughs> it's like. It's like it's part of the raw charm that this show has. I feel like though, yeah. It's like, hey, bro, talking. Do it raw. Condoms are for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> so is birth control. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, so you got a show coming up at Sozo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, January 25th, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Nine dollars a ticket. Yeah, it's a comedy mafia clean comedy showcase at Sozo Coffee House. Okay. Yeah. So is comedy mafia? Is that like a group or is that just the name of the show? both okay. <laughs> as far as i could tell okay. it's real it's it's uh, like a newborn we're still figuring it out uh but it's something that uh, Levetti vegas if you're familiar yeah. he's, he's kind of mm-hmm. spearheaded this really wants this thing to work and he works really hard at whatever he does and he got together a group of guys like myself mm-hmm. and uh, to be a part of it and yeah if you saw the promo stuff we put on suits for it did the whole did the whole concept and uh we're, we want to do it serious so uh, that, that yeah. theme that you guys have for it is really really cool like Popular i remember thing. seeing yeah i remember seeing all the ads for it and everything and i was like man mm-hmm. that's fun that's dope man i wish i would have thought of that are you guys going to perform in like the suits and everything too or I I am leaning three fourths in that direction for myself. I can't speak for the others. I was like, hey, this isn't half bad, dude. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Every man looks better in a suit. Like, Definitely. there's yeah, there's not a whole lot of dudes out there that like. Even if you're a ten, you're a ten and a half in a suit. Right. And like, I mean, you, you guys have seen me like go up on stage. I dress like a scumbag. It's like ripped jeans and band t-shirts, no matter what. But I look pretty good in a suit too. I fill out. So like. <laughs> well yeah, you, he might he might be homeless or something but he's got jokes and we can read his handwriting so let him go just, that's right <laughs> you, could, you could throw a dude that looks like he just survived like the hiroshima bombing in a suit and he would look not half bad all right exactly so. exactly uh, there's definitely some charm to uh to a suit yeah xavier jones is on that too he's gonna be on my yep. show on the 31st yes sir at, uh, wired so nice all yeah. right yeah i uh <laughs> What you're so bring back the the twenty said you worked with Levetti prior to that? Yeah, a few times. Uh, of course, outside of open mics, you know, uh, with a few shows by Shamar Edwards. Uh, he has uh, Shamar Edwards comedy. Did a few shows at Sozo Coffee House that I was on, and uh, he was on one of them, and that's where I met him. Okay. And uh, just real, uh, real good connection there. Uh, and we love doing what we do, and uh, just kind of went from there. Yeah. So Sozo is super like Christian conservative values type thing. Mm. And I know they like it clean. So like, what are you doing to like, make sure you don't cross that line to never be welcome back? (laughs) Fair enough. You know, I'm sure as you guys have seen at the holiday detox uh, and and roast battles and things that I have done, I have the capability to go be anywhere. I want to chase wherever funny is. I want to go there and, and be able to bring it. So if it's dark, 
I, you, I can laugh at dark stuff. I have the ability to do that. But where I'm aiming is, is I have this idea of comedy being clean, but not safe. I don't want to handcuff myself, but I know where I want to go with a lot of opportunities will aim in the clean territory. So myself, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm training to actually be a minister someday. So I, I've got that world in me already. So I know where the lines are pretty well. Yeah. Me and me and Caleb were talking about this the other night. It seems like doing clean stuff opens you up to a lot more type of venues and stuff like that where you can do like uh you could do shows for like kids or something or even like teenagers or like go to a school or something, you know what I mean? Like hmm. whereas like if you're some guy that's like uh the Legion of Skanks type dudes, like <laughs> you're probably you at me. Why don't you just say my name? No, because <laughs> I, I mean like schools. Even that even, sounded bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, like even like the stuff I do, I mean, I don't really censor myself that much. And like, you definitely can't go into uh, the Soho uh, Sozo coffee house saying fucking any of your jokes. Like they'd yeah. probably throw a rock at you and knock you out or something like that. If you did that there. So <laughs> that's have a prayer circle right on the, right on the spot. <laughs> but, yeah. I've uh, one of the things I've noticed uh, and I've been trying to, uh, wrestle with this because I, I was under the idea that well if you go pure clean you have to cut yourself off from so much funny that was what the thought is and I'm sure it sounds like you guys are um, but like you look at a lot of the top clean comics there they dive right into flatulent stuff pregnancy stuff some details that would ordinarily be you wouldn't think they would be able to do it but they're able to approach it in such a way that it's the relatability I think if it's the likability, the relatability, people will forgive a lot more. I've noticed that. Really? Oh, yeah. That's, well, that's, I had a conversation with a newer comic at the back line one time about something like that. I was like, dude, because he was worried about um, a joke that he was going to tell that was kind of offensive. I said, okay, no one here is going to not forgive you for one joke. If you fuck up and you come back and do it again, then some people might have a problem with you. But there's nobody you should care about that's going to, oh, that guy said a joke that offended me. I don't want to work with him. Kind of, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it kind of differs. Some guys and gals, of course, they're, they're more able to listen and learn and adjust. Others just, I want to do my own thing. Screw you guys. And they've got different goals. Let, let them have at it. But like, if you guys, I don't know if you guys, uh, part of your goals are someday unlocking the key to go into like corporate gigs and you know stuff like that if that was part of your goals then yeah like you said nick uh you know learning how to embrace clean or at least have clean stuff ready you know not that you have to completely abandon who you are and really what you love to tell jokes about and stuff but that be have the ability developed to be able to go to those worlds i think it's pretty pretty wise yeah, it's probably a good idea to just have some stuff you can throw out that's not just talking about like spreading assholes apart or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, like my first ever show that I got paid to do was back like after the Fourth of July. It was a political convention, and they, nice. they, I don't think were ready because I had never done it. I was very, very new into comedy. I honestly was not ready to be doing a show. Um, and I had like 10 minutes and they were not ready for what I was about to say. And I, I had a woman, get, I actually did fairly well, but there were some people that were in the audience like, oh my God, what's going on right now? <laughs> so 
I had a woman get up and storm out, complain to the venue. It was it was kind of a disaster, but I, it 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 went well as far as your first time can go. So. Hey, you, you didn't collapse in on yourself like a dying star. You didn't yeah. run off the stage at five minutes. And, yeah. You know, yeah. anything of those really embarrassing yeah. stuff. <laughs> what, was, what was your first mic like? Your first open mic? Oh, man. First mic was at the back line. Yeah. Uh, and I had worked up, I, I took like a month or so to work up the nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, first for me came improv classes with Big Canvas mm-hmm. and uh, doing some of those graduation shows gets you on stage, gets your feet wet. You're like, I survived. Yeah. You know, that's the big thing. The first time at uh, the open mic, I distinctly remember that there were muscles that I didn't know I had that were tense, rigid, everything. I could, I, there were jokes that other open mics, uh, some of the comedians were saying that I really found funny, but physically I could not relax enough to let the oh, sound gross. out. I remember how bad that was. And then once I got up there, it's almost like the dam broke a little bit. The tension started going out, especially once you get those laughs. Yeah. Oh, man. Does that help that transition from nerves to fun like nothing else? That's one thing, like, because everybody has funny friends, you know what I mean? Like, if you can't laugh around with your friends, they're probably not your friends. But mm. the the one thing that my friends have told me about it is, like, dude, I could never go up and, like, tell those in front of people. Mm. And I'm like, well... I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm up there. Like sometimes it doesn't even feel like there's any people in front of you. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Sometimes like the, so the lights. Yeah. Yeah. The lights, the lights almost like hide everybody. Same. The lights were the biggest thing for me. I was like, whoa, I did not expect this to not be able to see anybody, but I'd never been on stage before. So there. Yeah. That's that, that intensity, uh, different stages. Obviously they don't have them right in your eyes right, and right. other things, but there for sure you have to fight your what your senses are telling you that you knew you just came out of the crowd logically you know they're there (laughs) but when you're up there you can't tell for at all and uh, i don't know about you with like your open mics but i i had it's like okay you got four minutes at the back line all right i've got these jokes meticulously picked out Mm -hmm. i got it timed out in my car i was telling them i got four minutes on the dot and i went up there and all of a sudden I raced through them in like two minutes. There's two and a half. You're like, wait, what am I going to do with this? Oh, no. So that was, that was one of the things I remember from doing uh, competitive speech stuff in high school was that they would always say that if you were, if you were really, really underprepared, you were going to go overtime. But if you were like, do, if you were kind of underprepared, you know what I mean? You would, you would go through it really, really quick. So that's why we would always say that it's best to not just practice alone or practice your stuff in front of other people or something like that, because it's like, it's like the X factor, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. so, it's so easy to just like go through your jokes, like not yeah. give any time for anybody to laugh, you know, like, <laughs> that's, um, I think it's a misconception. Like you were saying that everyone bombs on their first time. Mm. I've seen people do really good their first time. Now there's there's all everyone's gonna have rough spots. Like I mean, even if you've been doing it a couple of years, you're still gonna have rough spots from time to time. But, oh yeah. yeah. Shoot, Jason Regan was telling me about they did a show for the Nebraska guys, and Larry the Cable Guy like wasn't doing good. That dude's been doing comedy <laughs> for like forty years, man. That's that's, that's generational though. Yeah, that's I, I generational. don't know, man. I, it had, it's just like everybody's gonna have a bad show, you know. There so. I will say this, and I th- and I don't want to sound like I'm being a you know like an okay boomer moment, but 
I think younger kids, if you noticed at the detox show, there were quite a few kids, courtesy of my younger brother. How could I hate him for it, though? He made us a lot of money. Um, brought like, you know, 18 to 22-year-old kids with him from his college friends. And uh, those kids kind of didn't get it. You know what I mean? It's They're used to quick hitting like memes. They don't want to lead up. They mm. just want the meme mm. and the punchline right away. So I think it was a little bit different for them. So I, I saw, I don't know. I saw a lot of those kids laughing and everything. I think it's just like, if you're doing a, you know, telling jokes or something like that about being married or divorced yeah, or something that, like exactly. that to a bunch of 18 year olds, they're going to be like, yeah, I can't relate because I've never been married or divorced. So. And that, that was the most interesting thing about that show to me was when I was up there, you had half the audience on the right side was over 30 and the other half, you had a bunch <laughs> of kids. So I would tell a political joke that half of the room would laugh. I would tell a pop culture joke, the other half of the room would laugh. And it was just kind of cool to see. So, <laughs> Yeah, now that you mentioned, that really did shake out that way with you yeah. and the other comics who was more pronounced. And yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that. that that's something... Um, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you guys can have already discussed or, or, or think yourself and haven't shared yet of there's so many things about comedy to fall in love with. Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. so many things about comedy that frustrate the living crap out of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is the attention span of your audience that you have now, the ones that you're working towards different crowds of like, how do you, how do you be able to appeal to all? There's ways to do it, but it's almost, you almost feel like you're being led to, okay, tell me what you think is funny. I will write for it if you'll pay me. And it's like, I, I want to be my own comic. I want you to laugh at my own stuff, you know? Right. Ben, yeah. I, I want to talk how, uh, so you said you're, you're like right now training to be a minister, right? Like you're going mm -hmm. through the, is it like the classes or how, how is that, how does that work? I'm, uh, through through my church organization, they uh, they accredit you first, then license, and if you want to down the line, be ordained. Uh, so I have a master's from Grace University. Uh, they oh, closed wow. closed a few years ago. That's what I came out here to Omaha for was to get my master's in Christian ministry. So I have the education. And I have been a pastor previously for about a year, served as a deacon for three or four years, previous church. So I have some of the experience. Uh, I mm -hmm. love to do it. You could probably tell with the way that I write, right. uh, the way that I express myself sometimes. I understand. I get it. Sometimes too wordy. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> we love it, though. But, but you yeah, can tell that's, that's, that's just the, the style of Ben Webb. So yeah, you can tell that man. comes out. And uh, that's, uh, that's something that I would like to step forward into again, because uh, I'm sure we may cover it. Um, but uh, because I got divorced, uh, my ex-wife left me. We go through a separation and a divorce. My previous church said, if you go through that, you're no longer qualified to lead or teach at this church. Wow. So, so yeah, I had no choice but to resign and move on. So Damn. yeah, does it does it feel like uh, like the church, different churches are almost like comedy where there's just different styles and stuff that like it is so diverse with the, the churches and everything that you can't just lump it all into one big thing or how what's your experience with that? I would I think you're onto something there because that that would uh, that would be a mistake to lump them all together that at the core yes there should be essential beliefs that unite everybody everybody around the world you got the underground church in China for example that's exploding 
and look at the hell that they're going through. But there mm-hmm. are there are brothers and sisters as well because we share those beliefs. But you you can look at if you want traditional Orthodox, you've got the the liturgy, the the robes and the all the pomp and all the stuff. You got the Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox stuff like that that you can do. There you got the Charismatics and one that doing cartwheels and jumping around <laughs> and doing all kinds of weird stuff. The, the really weird stuff you see on TV that's kind of theologically uh, kind of iffy that that's them but they're it's all part of the big family you know it's it's it is quite wild to see yeah that's interesting you say about the underground china church i want to hear more about that because like a lot of you know we kind of take it for granted the whole first amendment thing here which religion is literally like illegal in china like Mm. yeah interestingly enough they do have a state-sponsored church uh christian church there it's kind of like a way for them to throw them a uh, throw them a bone a little bit but they have to come to their building there under their pastors that they approve all that and you have a number of them that appreciate that kind of protection you know but they understand it's a boot on your neck kind of protection so you're free but you're not free just because the party says you're free doesn't mean you actually are and so uh so much of the growth is the underground churches they will literally risk their lives yeah they'll they'll have people come in the dark of the night throw them in vans take them away uh put them in camps like the like they are with the muslims and and other things to try to quote unquote re-educate you uh to their way of thinking um but yeah it's uh that's crazy i've never heard of that oh yeah i did not know that i knew china was bad right now with all the protests and everything but i didn't know it was that bad Oh yeah, it's uh, it's intense. There's uh, but the the numbers are astounding. Uh, I think it's it's at least. 300 400 million if not if not more it just keeps going up and up and up every year no matter the stories of atrocities that you hear you still hear numbers that the 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 church and if it it goes on this rate the party is certainly going to be outnumbered in, in, in a very short amount of time and so we could see a very different china potentially within our lifetimes it's kind of interesting i saw a picture the other day of a guy like a college student on top of a university with a bow and arrow like Mm. it's like a resistance like could you imagine being so just like stripped of all your rights you're like you know what i got nothing to lose i'm gonna take a bow and arrow and fight these guys with machine guns you Mm. know what i mean just because i've been so just robbed of everything Mm. it really it's really weird like in the last like year and a half or so that that everything about like all the weird or just the bad stuff that we would consider bad going on in china is like going on if you talk to people like in china like a, a lot of the stuff that we would think like is bad they're just like whatever about right. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like a way really weird way of or i guess a different way of thinking if you talk to like chinese nationals that are just like meh about their situation i guess I don't oh know. really yeah i didn't there's know. there from what i've from what i've heard from interviews of of like chinese like uh you know people our age and stuff they're very much just like they don't really care about the situation going on they're very like complacent about everything and I, I like in a bad way they're just like they don't have any hope that it's gonna get any better or anything right. so they just kind of exist yeah, yeah, part of that is if you think about it, in our, in almost in our lifetimes, uh, but certainly in our parents' lifetime, was the, the Tiananmen Square and the those mm-hmm. kind of events where they really made those strong moves after Mao 
to assert their control. And so you have some of these young people that are the, the ones that you just mentioned, they grew, that's all the world they know. Like mm-hmm. some of the, some of the, some of the young people nowadays probably were at the Hollywood detox. They grew up post nine 11. They don't right. know what that felt like to right. wake up that morning and see that and feel that terror and sadness and all that so it's the same thing with them growing up being educated in their education system where the party is absolute you do not cross them it's just how it is you are a cog in the machine if if you're a peasant in the in the countryside you're less uh than even they'll let you they'll let you do what you're going to do because the mindset is that there's a bit of racism going on there uh but they they have this mindset of well animals are going to do what animals are going to do so they, they let them have a little bit more leeway. Uh, it's, it's intense when you see how, well, you saw it for yourself, just their, their gaze, their body language, how they talk about it. They kind of shrug and, well, what can you do? You know, right. they, they realize they got the boot on their neck. It seems like any more, like, like uh, economists always say that China is like the biggest growing market right now for like Western companies, like American companies, even European Gee. companies. Yeah, well, it's just there's so many people there that like haven't used like like American products or American services or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I mean, I pay attention a lot to like the video game news and stuff, right? Well, they say in video games, the number one growing market right now is is mobile games, uh, like like cell cell phone games because there's just tons of people in like China and Southeast Asia and stuff like that, that don't have TVs or computers or anything. And they just have a cell phone. So they just hmm. play games hmm. on their phone. Makes so, sense. Huh. Yeah. And I mean, like even just like think of like products around here, like deodorant or something like that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like if, if they're going to America, they're going to sell, you know, like 500 million to us, but then there's a potential 500, you know I mean? Like, uh, 1 billion over there in China that's completely untapped. Like, who are they going to try to get into the markets of, you know? Did you, uh, that reminds me, did you see Ricky Gervais's thing on the Golden Globes? Did either of you guys see that? <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah. saw that. Yep, I did. <laughs> sure <laughs> did. Just to call out on Apple of exploiting the Chinese labor there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I don't know. My favorite part, I think, was uh, the Jeffrey Epstein one. Mm. yeah well i know he was Dude, your it's, friend <laughs> it's so painfully obvious that he got murdered man oh like, yes <laughs> what was the thing came out today they just lost all the footage yeah was that last night <laughs> yeah of the of the attempt yeah. so to speak that got him into isolation yeah. oh that's gone it's gone <laughs> yeah it's okay. Uh-huh. How <laughs> is it point, gone? they're not even hiding no, that it's a cover-up. <laughs> if you think he committed suicide, you were the conspiracy theorist. It's yeah, not like, dude. I mean, who do you guys think killed him, though? That's what I want to know. I, could, we, I don't know, man. There's so many people. It could have been like a mob boss or something, you know? Yeah, that's that's the other – that's one of the things yeah. I haven't heard people take that next step in yeah. speculating because I think it's so it's so despicable. Yeah. And it's so uh, kind of right underneath the surface. You hear story after story of some of these Hollywood actors and musicians. And when they go up there as kids, they were, they were hit on. They were molested. They were all that. It's like right under the surface, yet we, we kind of praise and idolize these people yeah. as it. And so mm-hmm. if you've got these really powerful movers and shakers that are literally writing our news and making our films and all that that are 
part of this, their connections, who knows what, who they have that are willing to do the dirty work, you know? Somebody, somebody told me something about like the Epstein mansion now is like in control of like either the CIA or something like that, or like the Israeli government or something like that. I've heard that. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, man, that would be kind of crazy, huh? Cause they, uh, what, what's like, you don't have somebody by the balls anymore than if like you've got dirt on them that they fucked kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a single act there's besides maybe murder, like murder, mass murder, mass murder. Yeah. Mass yeah, I, murder and fucking kids are like the only, like the two highest yeah. things, like, you, you know, like the crimes you can do. Cause, cause think about it. You like, be honest. You, you think that a child molester is more disgusting than some guy that shoots another gang member. You just do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, more often than not, you know. But like, but yeah, I just wonder why it is that so many of these powerful people are into fucking kids or like molesting women. Is it like mm-hmm. you've achieved everything and this is the one thing you can't have? Is it like a high they're chasing or I don't know? Was it was it Rogan talking to some CIA guy that that said I don't remember where I heard this from, but like they think it it's like people trying to get dirt on these powerful people so they can make them do whatever they want. And they're like, Oh, if you, you know, if you don't do what we want, we're going to make it. Everybody know you're a pedophile. Like that's pretty crazy. That's some like 4d chess, <laughs> extra crazy tinfoil hat stuff. You know, <laughs> with, uh, with that said, I still think it was the Royal family whacked him. <laughs> that's <laughs> my thing. Wow. From over the pond, huh? over the, they, those guys have more money. No, I'm not saying the queen herself walked in and did it. Which How would bad be ass would that be, though, actually, if she just came out, uh, like the queen of England showed up in prison and just snapped some dude's neck? Like, Well, <laughs> if the queen of England can suicide you, do you really deserve to live? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a good point. At that point. You are the weakest thing, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right. I, yeah that, that would be kind of funny to imagine, though, just the queen of England. Um, <laughs> i mean prince harry and uh megan they're retiring i, I guess and that. coming back and spending time over here so huh maybe he did some kind of deed and he's walking away yeah. i don't know ah, maybe we that. should look at him man. that's yeah it's, yeah harry's the one that's moving here right uh yeah well, yeah. yeah william was the other one because he got that american girl dude yeah every time i see prince harry it always makes him laugh because he looks just like carson wentz so whenever <laughs> i see him in the tabloids i'm like oh hey carson Wentz. oh no it's just prince harry well they were like outraged because she wasn't like filling it or like just falling in line with what you know the royal princess or whatever was supposed to do like she i remember it was all over their tabloids that she opened her own door her own car door and that was oh, scandal yeah so i was like <laughs> I was like, I would hate to see them with me and my girlfriend because I never open the car door for her. <laughs> like, oh God, <laughs> that's that's literally royalty, man. You know? Yeah, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's just a culture shock. It's completely different over there. With just, I, I don't know if either of you guys have ever been there. I know Nick's left the country. I don't know about. I've never been to England before, and I don't know if I'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to certainly some of the European countries someday, yeah. um, yeah. but mostly uh, I, I've I've been in Mexico a few times, like on some uh, charity yeah. work type thing. Yeah, yeah oh, my cool. dad. Yeah, my dad was stationed in Japan for uh, you know three or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where did you go in Mexico? Uh, just like right over the border. I couldn't really tell you to this day where it was, but I just distinctly remember we were driving past miles and miles of houses i guess that's what you'd say made out of like 
garage doors and tin and all mm. the just rolling hills of people living like that. And uh, it, it was it was one of the charity organizations that would go in and have a it's a very basic plan, but in a day they will build a quote unquote proper house, I guess, for you with, with the materials and the strong sturdies and give it to a family that's, uh, you know, a single mother with kids or, you know, somebody that really w would need it. And uh, I don't know how the choices were made, but it was just something I wanted to uh, experience for myself. And uh, it was, it was intense seeing that and feeling that yourself, but still there were kids, there were old men, they're all that shaking hands wanted to play with you there's still human beings there's still joy and hope in them yeah. um despite what from our standards it looks like hell to live in right but uh to them it's their world and they're making the most of it so seeing that level of poverty really like makes you just like glad you live in the united states and were born here huh <laughs> yeah mm. that's when i when i saw that like i saw that stuff over in uh even the middle east and over in africa and i've seen kind of it just from seeing it uh from over the border in mexico like um man i i just love the fact that we live in america and like the fact that we have running water all the time yeah that's I try what not to take it for granted they say if you live in the united states and you have heating running water and refrigeration you live more comfortably than king henry the eighth hmm. like even if you're making like next to no money if you have to heat the heat on whenever you want uh running water and a refrigerator then you live more comfortably than king henry the eighth i think that's just crazy to put it into perspective how far everything's come hmm. wow yeah yeah i'd believe it yeah there's there's so many things that we sometimes don't even think twice about yeah you know? for yeah. sure like that's another thing is like like plumbing Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it's an amazing accomplishment that you can push a lever and never see your shit again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It takes <laughs> what you don't want away and it brings it. clean, fresh stuff in when you want. That is pretty yeah, crazy. And, you know, sometimes when the police are knocking, you need to flush your drugs down the no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing when I was deployed that I was really happy for that our base was just built up enough to have these janky toilets so we didn't have to go like out in the and dig it up. You know, that was the one thing I was just like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I do not have to do that. Like, run, well, I don't know. <laughs> you were over in uh, Somalia, like by Somalia, right? Yes. Yeah. So you've got a real hmm. perspective wow. of. Yeah. They, <laughs> the it's like out in the, we were just like out in the, the jungle and this uh, little base uh, is like 40 miles away from Somalia. And, uh, they actually, in the news, uh, we, we saw my buddies were like sharing this around on Facebook that like a week ago, like that, that same base I was on got attacked oh, by shit. Somali, uh, like uh, Al-Shabaab, uh, militants over there. And I like, initially I was like, oh man, that's crazy. And then like after it, like the emotional part of it kind of rained down, I was like, oh man, I bet you the guys that were on that base just like got super just chill like they stopped going out on patrols and stuff and stopped actually like being aggressive in that area because when we were there they our intel guy told us like the guys there were terrified of even the like local population was like terrified of the americans really yeah if we saw some guy come like anywhere near that area we would go and like detain them like you know we were always just beefing that place up right so I'm thinking like, oh man, that was like three, four years ago. I bet you they just had nothing happen for like two, three years and they just got complacent and there's always people watching you over there. So they, 
We're just like, oh yeah, these guys aren't doing anything cool. We'll just go blow up a plane real quick. Like, yeah. Were you, were you ever in Mogadishu or no? No, no, God, no. Like way farther away from where I was. Okay. I've heard they've actually come a long way. Mogadishu. Just compared to where it was a couple years ago. Hmm. Really? Yeah. That's, um, are you, are you from Omaha then or? Uh, no, I was, I was a military brat. So yeah, I was born in, uh, in Cherry Point, North Carolina, and oh, cool. and since then, every three four years, it's a new place. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Long? I was gonna say, Ben. Definitely, you seem like a kind of guy that's well traveled. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, I've been uh, I've been lived on both coasts. Uh, you know, part of my elementary school years were over in Japan, yeah. like I said, and a few states in between, and just kind of landed uh, at high school in San Diego. Was was the end of it, and I had a choice. My parents and my brother were going to move one last time. My dad retired from the Marine Corps after 20 plus years. And I had the choice at age 18 for the first time ever in my life, stand on my own two feet and try to make it there in San Diego while the only family I knew really moved out to Nebraska. Or I could follow them out one last time, apply to college there, kind of get my feet planted on my own life. And Thankfully, I chose the second one. I yeah. really wouldn't have done well if I if I was uh, <laughs> was trying to make it on my own in San Diego. And uh, oh man, uh, yeah, ninety seven, ninety, yeah, would have been good. Cali's tough, man. Cali's a tough place to make it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's like this apartment that I live in would probably cost around nine or ten grand a month in like L A. Yeah, it's like it's no joke. Hmm. It's what was your favorite place, Ben? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. No, it's not Omaha. You don't have to lie to us. <laughs> I, I, I keep coming back to Japan. Uh, we, were, yeah. we were on a military base uh, called Iwakuni, Japan. So you look at it, it's just this little pinprick of a, of a military base. You can get on your bike and ride from side to side in not that much time. It was real tiny, uh, and it's really close to Hiroshima. So it's on okay. the mainland there and we're able to drive over or well, uh, take our bike rides, uh, out there and visit it from time to time. Got to see the Memorial museum with my own eyes okay. that they have there where they, they have like wax figures showing you people melting in the radiation flat. Like it's intense, especially with people with a family with white skin moving through there. It was silent out of, out of, you know, out of respect, of course, but also horror of human beings doing that to other human beings, uh, no matter what the justification is, that's horrific. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, th- there's so many things that came out of Iwakuni, Japan, being able to, um, like, uh, there, there was a time where uh, once or twice a year, they would open up the military base and invite the people around in the surrounding neighborhoods just to come in and just share a day with us. So they'd have planes set up on the, on the tarmac, so we'd have booths and all kinds of, like a cultural exchange type of thing. It was really, really cool to do. So, huh. Yeah. I've heard that, that the, like, Hiroshima and, like, because... <laughs> I, I don't know why, but like when I was a kid, like I always just thought, even like in high school, I always thought just like Hiroshima was just still like a big smoldering cult, like crater, like nobody People lived live there, there. Yeah, like the city's yeah. like built up and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like if you played SimCity as a kid when you had that monster come through and bomb the heck out of everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you have to give it a few cycles, but it, it does build back up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy when you see the pictures right after that bomb dropped where it was leveled. There's a few pictures that you can see. Um, that, that if, if you look at some of them, there's one that's like it's got a hollowed out dome 
yeah. on it. And it's a, like a, it was an observatory or some kind of thing. Yeah. They turned that into the Memorial Museum, oh, which is really wow, cool. cool. Yeah. And you see the, uh, the pictures of it. It's, it is like a different city. But I imagine you look at uh, things like the cancer rates and stuff. You can see oh, the sure. legacy of yeah. that is still touching them today that's oh, how definitely. powerful that thing was is mm-hmm. it still like higher radiation? are there still like parts of the city where you can't go because radiation or it's uh it's not as bad as chernobyl like something yeah. that whatever happened there was so potent yeah. that human beings cannot come near it uh th- this is for some reason it was either dissipated over wide areas or it uh, sunk into the soil and the water some sorts of thing but yeah. it allowed people to it's basically a city that rebuilt up uh, around where it dropped yeah. from what people from what like i and i've talked to somebody who was like studying to do like nuclear chemistry type stuff he told me that the bomb that they dropped in or the bombs they dropped in japan were like hydrogen bombs right they they weren't like true nukes okay so like they use like nuclear fission or whatever to explode but like so like with with chernobyl like that was like a nuclear power plant that basically blew up Mm. That was more closer to like a nuclear bomb than like the hydrogen bombs that they used in in mm. Japan and stuff. Mm. So because like okay. yeah, those bombs that they used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki are like compared to the bombs we have now. Like oh, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah I think that. the big the biggest one that ever went off was the Tsar bomb that was by the Soviet Union. I think the Tsar bomb was like a hundred Nagasaki's like oh. the power of that bomb so jeez yeah (laughs) man where where do you even set something like that off do you know Uh, they i think they like blew up (laughs) 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 i think they like blew up an island and just completely erased it off the face of the the earth like with that thing I mean, yeah. I wasn't alive during the nuke drills and stuff, but I've heard stories. It's uh, it, it that's a that's an interesting concept. It's how that kind of stuff is more about keeping the order than mm. about actually. I mean, because obviously, hiding under your desk is not going to stop it. You know what no. I mean? And it's like the mass shooter drills. You know, like as someone who's been through a school shooting, I was at Millard. I don't know if you were in Omaha at that time, Millard South. Mm, I've, I've heard about it. 2011. Yeah, yeah that was huh. like there were. Two people died, and at that point in time, in 2011, because that was my freshman year, in 2011, two people died in a school shooting. It was huge news. Now it's kind of like, whatever, it's as sad as that is. But um, yeah, it was like, I remember the drill where like they huddled us all in the back of a classroom, and we just sat there, and I'm like, I, I just felt like this is not what we should be doing if we want to stay alive. You know what I mean? Because it's fish in a barrel at that point. So mm. it's just weird how it's just about keeping the order. Yeah, because you have a lot of top video games that the a uh, the the really difficult and quote unquote fun ones yeah. are the ones where the AI anticipates that, and you got enemies coming at from different angles and all that. So yeah. if you have that kind of logic working there, yeah, that I mean, obviously the little kids want to want, want that kind of safety and all that definitely. stuff and numbers, but there needs to be something else. I yeah, I would definitely. agree. So definitely, huh. was, it's uh, it definitely gives you an interesting perspective going through one on just mm. everything when it goes on it's it, a different perspective i'm not saying i'm the expert but ours was a little weird that kid was jacked up on spice i don't know if you know what that is mm. like bath salt it's like k2 yeah. uh, it's, oh. it's a little different than bath salt it's like bad. it's like artificial weed basically yeah. it's like artificial oh, marijuana okay. it really like it it does it's so much different same. things to everybody no. yeah it just mess it can, it can like really mess people up like really bad 
Yeah, mm. it's it's not the same. Um, and that yeah, and his dad was like a Lincoln police officer, and he had stolen mm. his gun wow. and shot two of the principals and at one of the janitors. And we were about fifty feet from it, which was crazy. Jeez, it was actually wow, a week ago. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was one five eleven, so it was five days ago. Um, Hmm. but uh wow. but yeah we were like 50 feet and i remember saying to my friend i'm like maybe we should get out of here in case it's like a school shooting situation and i remember this teacher like ripping into me like she turns around she's, don't say that you're gonna scare people oh i'm like well guess i wasn't wrong you know but <laughs> and to put uh, that in the context too if, if i remember okay, that was only like a year and a half or something after or after the von mar thing happened wasn't it it like wasn't about that two long or three years about yeah two years. yeah because Von Mar was like 07, I think. Was it? I thought yeah. it was like closer to 09 or 10. Because I remember being in high school when Von Mar thing happened. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because I, I remember I was like getting glasses for the first time when that <laughs> happened. Because I remember my optometrist was right by the mall. And I remember like seeing the Von Mar like out the window going like, oh, that's kind of scary to see that over there. Like like just recently after it happened but i i don't know maybe i'm just remembering it wrong but it could be that was uh yeah thankfully i wasn't there for that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah i don't know so surprisingly the west roads has recovered from that i didn't mm. think it would but I don't, were you so w when did you move to omaha uh the winter uh, you know 2008 going to 2009 that's when i came in okay okay yeah. so that's it was uh because have you ever heard that song, Pumped Up Kicks? Mm-hmm. Sure That's have. about the West Roads Mall shooting. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's got the name of the guy, and then it's a Pumped Up Kicks, because Von Mar is kind of a classier place. Oh. And he shot it. Yeah. So that was huh. the point of it. So it's like, whenever I hear... I remember I was in the West Roads one time, and that song was playing, and I was like, really? Oh, that's, my god. That's kind of tasteless. <laughs> hey, Caleb, it was right at the end of 2007 going into 2008. It was like December 2007. Okay. So, okay. Wow. Huh. Man, it was man. a big deal. That I mean, like 10, 12 years ago, it wasn't really that common for public shootings mm -mm. as it mm. is now. It seems like it's just gotten way more common the past like three, four years. I don't know. What do you guys think that is? What, what is it? Because it's like coverage, mm. maybe? Like that we plaster these guys around like rock stars or? Mm. You think uh, some of the promotion uh, yeah. or, or it comes across as promotion right. and glorifying of it? Yeah. Social mm. media gets people really riled up in the last like three, four years too. So I it, think it does. I think yeah. I think we we see a lot more shootings that are like politically and racially motivated mm. as compared to five years ago, where it was just some nut nutcase. Yeah, it, it it it's it seems like some of there's so many variables though. It's really tough to take the risk and say this is the cause and Definitely. then yeah. therefore yeah. we need to ban this because inevitably you are going to be wrong in a lot of respects right because it's just so so many tentacles to this thing but right. it, it seems like there's something there's something to be said about how we communicate and how we argue now Definitely. has been yeah. changed because social media is a great tool for connection right. but when you use it as a weapon it isolates it wounds and all that but it has that instant gratification stuff of huh i owned that dude yeah i uh yeah. you know we got his information and we destroyed his life yeah we made him quit his job instant gratification so i'm wondering if some of that political victory of hey i won a political argument because i researched my points and they listened and they didn't have as good points and he conceded the point instead of that it's this uh, I need to own you. I need to clap back at you. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if, especially with some of the younger people, yeah. they see 
um, access to firearms that their parents have or whatnot and say, you know, this is the ultimate version of shutting that person up. I'm wondering if that's the case of instant gratification of what's they're after. You know? I don't know. And, and yeah. you know, if they do ban like one thing too, it's like, it's probably like doing one thing is going to cause a bunch of other unforeseen sure. consequences on stuff so too. Like, I hmm. feel like a gun they use a gun because it's like the it's like the most like hands-on type thing it's more mm -hmm. personal uh, if they because uh, there there are like you know you see over in paris people they don't have guns over there so people just hop in a truck and run people over but th there is something that goes to say about the um online arguments and everything i've always wondered the psychology behind that because it's like who are you trying to show off for other than yourself mm -hmm. a bunch of strangers who are going to forget about it in five minutes and I, I never read other people's arguments on Facebook. I don't know about you guys, but um, I mean, I'm more than willing, like you said, to have like an educated discussion with somebody, but if it just turns into a shit show, then it's just a waste of time. So. Yeah. And, and of course the, uh, the ongoing uh, issue of how things have changed the attitudes and thoughts about mental health, mm -hmm, about the priority that that takes in this country, mm -hmm. that if you have a bunch of uh, a bunch of kids or just people that are on the outside of society on the fringes anyway, the more that it seems like uh, you see a lot of their stories of in isolation afterwards you see their journals and stuff in isolation it's like i'm not being loved or noticed or heard or seen and eventually you just get hammered over and over day after day after day you perceive like you're being attacked and yeah. people are doing that on purpose to you eventually that starts to turn into how dare they yeah i'm gonna show mm. them type of thing and so if you have some kind of interceding voice even if it's like a teacher that you know, gives a damn or right. something. I, I can remember to this day, the faces and the names of the teachers that would talk to me after class from time to time, because they noticed that my, my C was, was atypical for me, but it was, it was a lack of effort. There was something about the way, what I turned in that was different. And they, they spoke up and they said something. I remember them to this day. So I'm wondering yeah. if, if part of the attitudes of teachers or others are just way too swamped, busy. We got to teach the standards. We got to get past tests. I can't worry. I want to worry about these kids, but my, my hands are tied. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's, that's a really good point. Like Definitely. some people can really underestimate how much it can mean in somebody's life of like just being a good, like having a, being a kid and having like at least just one good role model. There's so many kids out there that grow up that just like, don't have like a single, just like good person that they can look up to. Mm -hmm. So like, they just always get kind of stuck in that cycle. Like whether it's a teacher, you know, like a good teacher or like, I mean, even somebody maybe in like a church or somebody in like an after school activity or something like that sports, you know, it just, there's so many kids that grow up a anymore that just don't have any of that. Like, yeah. Um, and I think that does bring an interesting point about exclusion and maybe not to the point of violence, but when you see, we see a lot of people going off the deep end, I feel like in entertainment and media, do you know who Owen Benjamin is? Uh, a little bit. He's, yeah. yeah, he's a comedian. Um, okay. He, he's a little edgy and offensive. I've, I've heard worse. I don't honestly don't know what people's problem with him is. I don't know if it, maybe he has political views or whatever, but um, he got harassed by what I call the blue check mark mafia, basically run out of business on, you know, by journalists and social justice warrior types. And 
that guy since then has gone off the deep end. So it's, I mean, mm. obviously he loves doing comedy. He's made a career out of it. You took that away from him. So I, I feel like you know, people, they just kind of lose it when you, because that's the other thing is I'll, I don't use my real name when I do comedy. Mm. My Facebook doesn't have anything about my employer where I went to school, nothing like that. Because you don't know when someone's going to get pissed off about a joke and I'm calling that son of a bitch's work. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like there's, there's, I don't know about you guys, but there's there's nothing you can say to me or do that's going to piss me off to the point where I'm like, I don't want you to eat. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. I'm going to call your job and ruin your life. I just don't, there's nothing you can do. I don't it, know. It's hard to comprehend that. I mean, certainly as human beings, if we're being honest, we've all felt in the moment fury yeah. of, I want this to happen to him especially yeah. you get cut off on the road or we all have those thoughts of i just want to punch that dude in the nose or whatever it is but that's that's a yeah. whole other yeah. level of like you're attacking like the dignity of them to exist yeah well exactly. that's that's a different thing right yeah, yeah the i they talk about that a lot in in uh in like church stuff i know where like it's it's like human and natural to have those thoughts of doing that, yeah, right? Sure. Like, but actually acting on it is really where you like the bad thing about it. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's a you know, and and as far as like road rage re, or you know, guys talking shit at a bar and you punch them in the face. To somebody made a Facebook post that pissed me off. I'm gonna call their job. There's a lot of thought that goes into that before you actually do yeah. it. You don't have to dial the number. You don't have to click call. You don't have, you can hang up when they pick up. There's a lot of stuff and you still do it. You know, mm. it's like, I, I just don't know if someone is messing with you, just block them. If you don't mm. like what they're saying, it's not their jobs pro problem. It's, you know, it's, I feel like when it comes to comedy, like, yeah, you could tell some, some jokes that may get some groans or might be a little darker subject or something. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you're telling a joke though, that like somebody could record and just send to your work, like mm -hmm. I, I don't, it doesn't really think like, at least to me, like, I don't think I would ever fire anybody unless they were telling some joke that was just like completely terrible. You know what like I mean? Like they went up and like dropped mm -hmm. the N word or something like yeah, that. Or yeah. Or just, they had doing Nazi salutes or like yeah. saying that women are worthless or so, you know, or men Hitler are was right. Shit like yeah, that. yeah. Some dumb shit where you're just like, God, what are you talking about, man? Like, I don't know if I want to be around you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, is, is there, is there room anymore for people to be immature and dumb? Yeah. Is there, is, can, are we allowed to make mistakes? anymore hmm. and be able to learn from them and grow because there's as, as comedians you know part of our our art form part of what we get to do is if anybody else fails at it in society comedians are supposed to stand there and not flinch and tell the truth yeah in definitely. some way shape or form we hold up a mirror and defy you to tell us to get off the stage because there's to me it sounds like there's such arrogance to, to look at another human being and judge to the point of saying, I'm going to cancel you. Yeah. Yeah. How in the world it's can so you have that arrogance to say it's that, you know? so tough with comedians too, because it's literally comedians job to like push boundaries. You know what I mean? To see mm -hmm. how far is too far. Yeah. Like literally people get paid big money to do that. And it's just like, man, <laughs> you yeah. can really get messed up doing that. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, even if you search, like if you go on Twitter now and search Ricky Gervais canceled, like 
that's not like I know we use the term cancel culture to refer to it, but that's actually a group of people there. We need to cancel this guy. Why hasn't he been canceled? They're actually discussing that. Like, how do we ruin this guy's life? Because he went on a 10 minute rant on TV that I watched the entire 10 minutes of it didn't turn off, even though it made me mad. Mm. Like, yeah what yeah the uh owen benjamin example that you said of you have that other example of uh we in, almost seem to enjoy the suffering right the misery of once somebody is deemed worthy of being canceled or pushed to the fringes there's almost a sick pleasure in taking oh what did he do now oh did he beat his kid did he did he try to shoot himself oh that's like there's a there's a glee to it yeah. i don't know if you've seen that uh south park episode uh with the britney spears uh, yeah. thing yeah where that's exactly it, what i was thinking exactly about, yeah where yeah. you just got this sick overall agreement as society to push that. and of course south park they take that ridiculous turn of where it's because they're doing it on purpose to get a sacrifice for the crops. Really, really a funny concept. But you look at it and the truth that they're telling about that is really sickeningly close to what we are seeing with some yeah. of these people. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. Even like the last like three, four years. I mean, it was like Justin Bieber. Everyone was always just, oh, it's yeah. fun to shit on. Like, it's just like, it's, it's human nature almost. It's just fun to shit on people sometimes as a group, you know? Yeah. Like it feels I, like we, like, like, as a society, like people just need that. Like, can you, can you hear me? Yeah, Go I can on. hear you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're good. yeah, I was just making sure because my, my camera thing is like, I can't see you guys on me. <laughs> yeah, I think our camera is being dumb, but that's, we still have audio, so we're good. So cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, you guys have heard me do comedy. I shit on people too. I feel like I'm an equal opportunity shitter. <laughs> I, I go after everybody. Equal opportunity shitter. I'll <laughs> shit on anybody, literally. <laughs> um, so we've done about an hour. Yeah. Do we want to? Do we want to promo anything, Ben? Do you want to tell people what you got going on in the near future? Yeah, sure. I appreciate. Uh, in addition to that comedy show on the 25th of January that I mentioned at the top. I perform every Friday at the Big Canvas Theater uh, for two different teams. So one is uh, Outside the Box that performs at 7 p.m. every first and third Friday, and another team called Roll the Dice every second and fourth Friday at 8.30. And, uh, and of course, the only thing uh, outside of that that I'm working on is at the end of February, I will be in my second play with the Florentine players up in Florence, Nebraska. Uh, it's uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, so yeah, oh, it's, cool. it's going to be intense. And, and the cast and crew that is with this already in rehearsals, it's amazing what they're getting into and what they're bringing out. So it's, uh, it's going to be a powerful play uh, coming up uh, Where? in February. How far is Florence? Uh, uh, man, eight, nine miles or so. Okay, from, not that far. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, yeah, it's just straight north. But uh, you know, of course, it'd be like as, almost like driving up to like Bennington or something. Yeah. Just yeah. about, yeah, yeah, short of that. Yeah, you you essentially you kind of follow I eighty all the way around, and they take that bend all the way up north. You literally just take that street all the way. It'll take you to the turn yeah. <laughs> that, that you'll need. It's just it's a very straight straightforward place. So. Cool. I'll yeah, see, I'll see if I'm busy. That or what weekend is that? The that is uh, February 20th through the 23rd. So, okay. that, yeah, that third week in February. So, yeah. I'll have to see if I'm busy that weekend. But, um, yeah, um, you guys can see me at the Never Too Late to Laugh. Also, at, uh, what's the name of that? Big Canvas Theater, yeah. January 18th. Nice. Tony, Tony Geis is a super cool guy. I really like him. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you work with him. Him and before. Matt Blevins. And then, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, Zach Real Peterson's the headliner, which is, is he's fantastic. He's a professional comic. So, um, and then January thirty first, Wired Pub and Grill. You can see me comedy and chaos. We put the whole thing together, so it'll be hopefully it'll go smoothly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anything else anybody wants to add before we pack it up and go? No, I say hey, thanks for coming on, Ben. Oh, good. Yeah, thanks for coming on for sure. Yeah, man. thanks for having it's me. Fun. It's been a lot of fun, Great man. Great show. Great so, show. Yeah, appreciate right. it. All right, guys, go and like us, subscribe, all that shit, whatever you got to do. Sorry, the video cut out. You know how it works. Go donate money to us so we can get better equipment. <laughs> so the video doesn't cut out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, motherfuckers. Peace out. Deuces.